0: The end of game, we, being a construction company, we would love to be able to introduce this into the structures. And uh, so there's a couple of ideas that really go along with this, uh, one of them being like topology optimization, which is basically um, taking a structure and optimizing it so that there's only um, structure where structure is needed, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like a, uh, the reason that we build a shear wall, one of the reasons we, we build a shear wall is just kind of a continuous block of concrete is because it would get really complex trying to optimize that and put all the holes and the voids where they need to go. But if, if you were to optimize Optimize uh, a structural element. It wouldn't look like a rectangular solid piece. It would have a bunch of voids in it. It may end up looking more like uh, something that nature produced, as opposed to uh, something that's formed with four by eight sheets of plywood. (laughs) You know. so And then there's also a three D graphical statics, which is another methodology. Rather than maybe optimizing a shape, it actually is a shape generator, and so. that generates the most optimal shape based on the loading that's introduced into the member. Welcome to the Placemaking Podcast. Podcast.
1: The show geared at helping real estate developers learn and understand important aspects of the development process while improving communities one at a time. Each week, we'll discuss major facets of the real estate development process with industry professionals. Now, here's your host, Matthew Lowe's. Hello and welcome to episode number 27 of the Placemaking Podcast. Can you guys believe it? We're already at episode 27. That's crazy. I am excited to share this next conversation with all of you today. Scott is the executive project developer at Pika's Concrete and Construction, located near Salt Lake City, Utah. Scott brings with him over 15 years of experience in the concrete construction industry. After he graduated with a civil engineering degree from the University of Utah, he struck out to make a name for himself in the construction industry in the Pacific Northwest. After 11 years there, he found himself wanting to come back home to Utah and sink his teeth into new projects with a progressive construction company named Picus. They were willing to push the boundaries of common construction practices with the introduction of concrete 3D printing. Originally founded in 1999, Picus Concrete has grown from a small residential construction company to a nationally recognized commercial and industrial concrete contractor. In 2011 and 2012, they ranked number 74 and number 61 respectively on the top 100 concrete companies in the United States of America. Their project experience ranges from 90-foot-high shear walls to multi-level concrete parking structures to stadium and hospital concrete structures and even industrial concrete structures with their specialties being post-tension decks and tall structures. So in this episode, we are going to discuss what the 3D concrete printing process actually looks like, the current limitations of 3D concrete printing in construction, and the common myths about 3D concrete printing that he often sees, and how he would bust these myths. So as you'll hear in this show, he brings loads of experience on the subject of concrete construction and the implementation of new technologies in 3D printing. I think you'll enjoy his take on the future of 3D printing and construction and how it might affect the future of real estate development as we know it. So as always, if you have enjoyed this show, I would ask that you please subscribe to the show and share with your friends in the industry There'll be more exciting conversations on the shows to come. So without further ado, let's start the show. Welcome to the show, Scott.
0: Thanks, Matt. Good to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, glad to have you on. You know, you have a, a pretty awesome background and heard your some of your other podcast appearance. So, you know, I kind of just want to jump into your background, um, how you got started?
0: Yeah, I uh, graduated from the University University of Utah with a bachelor's in um, civil engineering. Okay, and then uh, yeah, and I've been uh, working in the construction industry for the last fifteen years, doing concrete construction, commercial concrete construction, and uh, I guess during that time I went and got my MBA from the uh, Arizona state university and, um, yeah, been doing, uh, yeah, just the commercial concrete stuff for the last 15 years. And then the last, uh, year or two, I've kind of transitioned into the 3d concrete printing scene it was a little venture, um, our owner wanted to explore. And so that's been my domain for the last, last year, primarily.
1: Wow it's interesting so when you got out of school what what made you did you go directly into construction or, or did you uh, go some other path first
0: you know i uh yeah i, I actually did um contr- construction really attracted me um i i don't know i i was a little bit up in the air about uh i guess working at a design firm and no 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 offense to any of those <laughs> designers out there right. um but I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed kind of the field atmosphere and the projects and the just being in the middle of the action um, mm-hmm. with uh, building some of these projects. And so, yeah, I, I started out with an internship uh, at a construction company, and and I I just stayed. I, I really enjoyed the the construction scene. So, yeah,
1: I can't speak for all design engineers, but I know. When we first got into design engineers or engineering, we probably thought we were going to be out in the field a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, for most, that's not always the case. Or yeah. fortunately, means things are going right. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. So, when did you start at PICUS?
0: Uh, so, I uh, started at PICUS in 2016. Okay. So,. I was uh, up in the Seattle market and uh, in the Seattle area, working um, for about seven years and I was looking to get back to Salt Lake. And, and so Pikus uh, looked Pikus up as they were one of the reputable concrete contractors in the area and started working with them in 2016. Gotcha.
1: And how big is Pikus approximately?
0: Uh, so we run the field. Um, it's always fluctuating, but it, uh, sure. uh, north of 200, 200 field field guys. Okay. Um, we've usually got eight eight or so projects going at a time. And, and uh, yeah, we're just a regional contractor here in the Salt Lake area.
1: Mm-hmm and so you guys decided to go ahead and jump into 3D printing. <laughs> <laughs> we let's, did. What let's let's discuss that whatever discussion happened. Um I guess we're, you were in the ground level there when when this came about.
0: Uh yeah. Yeah. So, my, my boss and I, we, we'd, uh, we'd see the articles just like everybody else about 3D printing. And we thought, oh, it's, that's so awesome, but it's, it's <laughs> probably so far out there. And uh, we kept talking about it, kept seeing the articles, and then we decided, you know what, we, we should go see if this is for real, you know? And so, we, we planned a trip um, over to Europe because there's, it seems like there's a higher concentration of people doing it over there. right and we visited uh it was probably seven or eight different companies that were actually doing 3d concrete printing and it was really the perspective was really kind of interesting because you had architects that had gotten into it you had a construction company that was into it um kind of uh, a small scale 3d printing company that said hey let's let's try the concrete stuff out (laughs) on a bigger scale and so there's all these different uh companies that were doing it and then we and we went over there kind of skeptical right like could we really buy a printer and yeah sure. makes make something work and then we we came across uh sika who is uh they do building materials they're big in the automotive industry they're they're a big 10 million dollar company 10 billion dollar company mm-hmm. and um what we saw there really convinced us that hey this is this is actually ready for prime time like this is really yeah, this, we we could make a go of it, and obviously it's still kind of uh, call it bleeding edge a little bit, you know. Right. But, but it's it's pretty cool. I mean, the capabilities are are really impressive. So what? Uh,
1: what did they show you there that made you say, "Oh my gosh, this is this is happening. This is real." Like, what did they do a seminar for you or or what?
0: So no, I, we actually just set up a meeting and, uh, we met with them one day in Switzerland and, uh, they showed us some pieces that they had printed and the difference between what they were able to produce versus their competition was just remarkable. Mm -hmm. And so there lots of times you'll see 3d printed concrete and it looks pretty sloppy. Right. And, um, we are, initial impression was that hey if this is really going to work it's probably going to take a little while for the structural uh and to catch up with the capabilities just with codes and everything else mm-hmm. and so when we saw their product um we thought oh man we could we could jump into this today selling architectural pieces and um and it would work you know and so that's, that's really kind of what, what sold us on it was their, their quality. Cause it is, it's a, it's an architectural grade, um, print. I mean, it's wow. the finished product is just, it's, it's really clean. Um, yeah, just kind of really impressive what they've been able to do.
1: That's awesome. So you flew back to the U S you said, yeah. pull out the Amex. We're going to make a big purchase. <laughs> <laughs> He decided to jump in with both feet that's awesome yeah
0: yeah and uh, yeah we we, i think it was kind of caught seek off guard too um so we we called them up and said hey we want to buy a printer and they said oh okay um (laughs) we better we better talk about this and so over the course of the next year we worked together developing specifications for the what the printer that we we thought we needed and the specifications Mm -hmm. we needed and um yeah i helped the like uh them develop that and um and then it was october that uh, the printer actually was ready wow. and uh, manufactured and uh, started the installation here in, in the salt lake uh, in our warehouse in salt lake so
1: wow just for scale how big is this thing
0: uh, it's, it's pretty good size. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't have to print. give me, yeah, just oh, roughly. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's housed in a warehouse. Um, it needs like 32 feet of head clearance just with the Z axis, uh-huh. but it, it can print kind of the printable area is four meters wide by five meters long. So by four meters tall. So that's roughly 13 by 17 by it's actually like 12 and a half. Mm -hmm. so yeah wow so what
1: does this 3d printing process look like so a lot of us i'm sure have seen a a desktop printer maybe or or some video but just kind of what goes into it. the materials is is it you know just standard i'm sure there's special mixes but (laughs) um kind of just go through that process of what it takes to just a overview of what it takes to set it up and and what you're creating with that.
0: Yeah, I guess, uh, from, um, I guess just to give a little perspective on it, as far as the the actual process goes compared to like a plastic printer, it's remarkably similar. So, Mm -hmm. Um, our printer, um, there's different types of printers out there, but, uh, the one that we've got is a gantry style printer. So it's got kind of two rails and a cross mm-hmm. beam with a Z axis on it. So, um, and it's, it, like I said, it's uh, very similar to like a plastic 3d printer, just on a much larger scale. Definitely. <laughs> and, um, obviously the, the big difference is the material. And so, um, yeah, we've got a big mortar, like a, a stor- big storage system that contains all the mortar. And then um, it's fed into the printer, which um, mixes the mortar with water and some admixtures
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, dump- and puts it into a, a mortar pump. And that pump supplies the printer. And then um, the, the gantry kind of just moves like a CNC machine. It, it runs on G-code. Um, uh-huh. similar to like uh, a 3D printer or a CNC machine and uh just just works just like a a plastic printer i guess just, wow. just a lot bigger so a lot bigger you know, there's there's some intricacies to it obviously with the getting the mortar to perform like uh, like you needed to right but, yeah
1: i would imagine that's a, a science and an art all in one for for that to get uh, you know, just, I'm just thinking of how fun that would be to make sure it's just perfect to where it, uh, your slump's not too, <laughs> too slumpy and, uh, you're able to actually form it. That's, it's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the interesting thing. It's, um, 3d printing has been around, uh, forever. I mean, there's a video of a guy doing it in the fifties, you know, hmm. printing, printing a house and, um, it's kind of kind of interesting to see the technology's been there, but the real advancement's been in the material, and that was kind of the differentiator between all these different companies. And then Sika, who approached it from the material side, okay. and they, they're, yeah, the differences are are apparent, I guess, in in what they produce.
1: Interesting. So, uh, is all that material readily available, or fairly readily available, or is that something that um you
0: have to to bring in so it, it's produced in sealy texas actually okay so Interesting. not not too far away from you guys ah. and uh yeah so we it's produced there at a seca plant in sealy and then shipped up up here to salt lake
1: oh okay how do you know how many plants they have
0: Just curious. um I I honestly don't. I think okay. this is uh, this is their first plant that they're um, producing domestically here in the U.S. In the U.S. Um, yeah. yeah, but they've got they're I think they're the world's largest mortar producer with their recent acquisition that they just made. So wow. yeah, they've, they've definitely got capacity.
1: Wow. And so, kind of got into the limitations as far as what size structure that you can create, but. Are there any other limitations to basically what you're doing for three D printing? I, I mean, there's several, I, <laughs> <sure.
0: laughs> I would love you to tell you no. There's no limitations. The sky's right. the limit. But, but yeah, there's obviously obviously limitations. Um, just because of the nature of the material that we're working with. So uh, uh, the mode that we print in, if you're familiar with three D printing, is it's it's base mode, and so. Okay. Basically, it's one continuous um, strand of material that's being put down. So, one continuous bead of, of mortar. Mm-hmm. And so, with that, uh, we do have some capabilities, some flow control, as we call it. So, we can stop and start printing it uh, in, the, in a path. Right. And that, that will help create openings. Right. But um, some limitations are like, um, I guess, bridging across those openings. Yeah, So you can create an archway and kind of close that back in over itself. Right. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's some limitations there. Obviously like putting a roof on something would be uh, a challenge. Uh, sure. Probably uh, unless it closes in on itself. Um, Domes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And then uh, I guess the other uh, thing that we really consider when we're designing and, and looking at models is, uh, overhangs so we can achieve kind of a 30 degree off a of vertical overhang. Okay. And otherwise it, it, uh, yeah, the material being that it's fluid, you know, initially right. it, it just wants to fall. Right. So,
1: Interesting. So, yeah. you know, What I'm really interested in here with 3D printing is kind of applications going forward for uh, those looking to to construct in the maybe not so distant distant future and and kind of, you know, is there potential savings? I know it might be a little tough right now with only one plant (laughs) in the U.S., um, but potentially, you know, if, if operations expand, you might have greater access to you know the materials and um i assume that comes with greater savings so if you can touch on kind of applications that you guys are looking at now and then um we'll kind of bridge that into kind of your future what what your plans are with uh and and what the goal is with
0: that machine yeah um so the, the really easy applications right now are landscape architecture. Um, the, just what you're able to print uh, really blends well with kind of uh, what landscape architects like to do, blending right. the nature with the human environment. You know? So the organic shapes and, and that um, are really cool. So we just, uh, we just completed a, a landscape architecture project here in, uh, in the Salt Lake area. And um, we've done like some benches and uh, planters, uh, some barbecues, fire pits, um, seating areas, stuff like that. Um, yep. So that's a that's a pretty straightforward application. That's,
1: that's sure. It fits the size requirements that you guys are working with right now, you know? It's,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. It all
1: fits within that cube that you, you were referencing. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, some other easy applications are like furniture. Um, obviously, furniture that's maybe not going to be moved, frequently, <laughs> obviously. Or ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: So, like wow. uh, reception desks, conference tables, um, that type of stuff. Um, there's architectural applications like uh, facade type elements. Um, we're looking at a project for a textile company that, uh, they wanted the, they're, they're building their headquarters and they wanted their core of their elevator to look like fabric. And so this, uh, oh. the 3d printed material actually has a really soft look to it.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And, uh, you can, we've, we've got a weave pattern that that really does have like kind of a cloth like appearance. So, uh, we're going to create some, facade type panels to line their, their elevator core. And okay. so those are, those are the really easy applications that are, that are applicable right now. Right. And very accessible right now. Uh, the end of game, we being a construction company, we would love to be able to introduce this into the structures. And uh, so there's a couple of ideas that really go along with this. Uh, One of them being like topology optimization, which is basically um, taking a structure and optimizing it so that there's only um, structure where structure is needed, if that makes sense. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So like a, uh, the reason that we build a shear wall, one of the reasons we, we build a shear wall is just kind of a continuous block of concrete is because it would get really complex trying to optimize that and put all the holes and the voids where they need to go. But if, if you were to optimize a a structural element, it wouldn't look like a rectangular solid piece. It would have a bunch of voids in it. It it may end up looking more like uh, something that nature produced as opposed to uh, something that's formed with four by eight sheets of plywood. (laughs) You know, so, and then there's also a uh, 3d graphical statics, which is another methodology it, rather than maybe optimizing a shape. It actually is a shape generator. And so it, it generates the most optimal shape based on the loading that's introduced into the member member. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, so there's, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of out there. Um, but yeah, that's where we'd like to be. And, uh, that's where it gets really exciting because the, uh, the savings that generates, um, you have lighter structural systems, so which translates into like lighter gravity, which translate in, translates into lighter lateral systems, which translates into really light foundations.
1: And less really material. Just kind of less
0: yeah. material. Yeah. The, the potential is, is really kind of cool, and it'll be really interesting to see how it's applied and how it's uh, implemented, the, the design wow man (laughs) yeah that's that's
1: big picture stuff and um with your printer it would be more of a cast not cast in place but uh pre-cast sections and you would just create those in your warehouse and then ship them to the job
0: site is that essentially um as of right now yes that's how that's how it's set up um but i like again kind of pie in the sky ideal situation is you've got a printer on site just kind of printing printing your structure um that being said like there's there's other challenges like traditional reinforcement doesn't play very nicely with some of these organic shapes that would be created right and so we'd be looking at yeah there's there's other there's other pieces of the puzzle that need to be figured out and like post-tensioning uh, has some some really interesting uh, applications here, fiber mm. reinforcement, and probably some stuff that we haven't even seen or considered as of this point in time. Yeah. Wow.
1: That's, yeah. That is pie in the sky, but I like it. I, yeah. It gives you something to think about, though.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Okay. So currently right now, it's it's mostly – Non structural um, architectural elements yeah. um, and cladding and, and that kind of thing. Um,
0: but I, I will say, I, I think there is a place for it as like currently um, as well. Uh, the, so the 3D prints can be used as a kind of a lost formwork. So basically, you'd be printing your formwork in the, as a, a concrete element. And if you can slide it over um, the reinforcement and then fill it up with concrete, you still get the benefit of a structural element um, with and still meeting current uh, building codes and and regulations.
1: Interesting. So just a a hollow wall section or, or or maybe not bridge deck, but maybe. uh, Yeah. uh, And then you're just, Basically, putting either your reinforcement post tension or whatnot within that hollow section,
0: yeah yeah absolutely, so being that we're the construction company we we really are leaning on designers to um, get creative and and think outside the box with uh some of this application
1: interesting, so. Obviously, also municipalities have to kind of catch up too. Um, Have you seen any uh, structural design codes that are addressing 3D printing yet?
0: Yes. Um, So I I know ACI, they've got a committee put together to kind of start um, the development of the code for 3D printing. Um, There is another a code provision. Um, I'm forgetting which one it is, but, uh, they've, they've specified something for like, uh, I think residential housing. Oh, really? Yeah. And, uh, I I apologize. I don't remember the the body of code right off. Uh, so it's (laughs) It's beginning. It's just slow. It's, it's a slow, painful process.
1: Right. Is there any applications you see for residential housing right now with with the setup you have currently or
0: um, so I'll be honest I, I people talk like kind of the buzzword around 3d concrete printing is is affordable housing right and um, at least from my perspective I don't I don't know that it's really affordable at this point in time sure um, there it's brand new technology um, the materials Um, to get it to print, obviously you need something more than just your traditional concrete so that it's expensive material, expensive technology. And so to be able to print affordable housing with it, it, uh, it just, uh, doesn't line up necessarily, you know?
1: Sure. That's a, that's a good point. I I do see the two kind of connected often. It's like, Oh, you know, we'll just print houses and it'll, (laughs) It'll we'll Solve our problems. Yeah, Maybe we're, one we're, day. One day. Uh, so, you think the material is the hindrance or uh, the the technology itself?
0: Um, I think a, a little of both. A little uh, of both. I, yeah. yeah, I think that uh, I think cost is probably prohibitive for printing affordable housing right now. Sure. Um, but I, again, uh, the codes really haven't been developed there's ways around it like i mentioned you know kind of designing within the existing code um but you lose a lot of the i guess the cost benefit if it's just a a shell that doesn't account for anything more than maybe fire protection or you know
1: yeah that makes sense um do you know how many machines uh there are in the u.s that like concrete 3d printing at least with your the company you're working with
0: so uh, the printer that we have is actually Sika's first um, printer that they've industrialized they really put out for, for production yeah oh that's um, why they were so
1: surprised you wanted
0: to buy it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah so Sika but there's there's lots of other companies that are doing it there's a couple here in the US um, uh, there's one in California. Their icon is down by you guys in Texas. Mm-hmm. And then there's a few others that, um, you, you catch a glimpse of every once in a while. Um, I'm trying to remember where the, where the other one might've been New York or where the other one was, but yeah, there, so there's, there's a, a handful. handful. Yeah. 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 Wow. But they're, they're pretty limited. Awesome. Awesome.
1: Well, what are some of the, and we kind of dug into this, but some common excuses for not implementing this. And it sounds like materials right now and kind of the the technology as far as the size or, uh, you know, we also got into code. Is there anything else we missed that some people might attribute to not using this? And then how would you respond to those? Is it just uh you know time will tell and and we're on the we're on the leading edge here.
0: Yeah. Um I, I think that uh yeah we talked about a, a lot of it but I think the biggest thing is like people just don't believe that it in the capabilities yet. Um uh-huh. but I I was there. I mean two years ago I was in the same place. I was kinda yeah I don't I don't know but I now that I'm into it I've I've I uh and I've seen what it can produce it's it's really impressive really, really cool and I mean the future's here I think yeah. the biggest h- hindrance is design, honestly, mm. finding um, those designers, architects, and engineers that will think outside the box to willing
1: to push the envelope a little bit
0: yeah, to push the envelope and to to make it work. Uh, nobody likes being the guinea pig. Right? <laughs>
1: No, and, this is a uh, liability thing that gets in the way. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So I, I would say um, there's there's a couple of very progressive um, architects and engineers that are, are interested in it and, and are pushing it. Um, but when you come down to especially a market like Salt Lake, where the firms aren't uh, as sizable, as progressive yeah. maybe, um, yeah, they're, they're not necessarily interested in, in finding those boundaries.
1: Pushing so, a little, yeah. Yeah. So what is a common myth about 3d printing that you hear often and, and how would you, uh, how'd you bust it?
0: Oh, I think that, uh, well, first off, uh, I, I, I think the housing one is probably the biggest um, <laughs> myth right Uh, i I think that maybe the way that some other companies approach it may pencil a little bit better but not i i still haven't seen any numbers that have convinced me otherwise sure so you you hear about it but you never see the the actual numbers Um, (laughs) but the the other myth is that uh, a lot of people's like i mentioned preconceived notion of uh concrete printing is that it's it's sloppy um, it's got a lot of imperfections and and kind of slobbers all over the the print, um, but you can you can achieve architectural grade concrete with three uh, D concrete printing.
1: I, I'd be interested to see that because what I'm picturing is not <laughs> architectural grade, but I I believe you. I'm sure there's it definitely. I would imagine take a, a special mix uh, to make that work. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So what does a day in the life of Scott look like right now? I know you're you're probably preaching the message right now of of what you guys can do and and all that, but uh, what does your day to day look like right now?
0: So yeah, we're we're definitely in the infancy of this thing. We're still uh I I don't know, we've only been producing confidently I guess in the last couple of months you know the last <laughs> several months so like uh, my days range from driving a forklift around to sweeping the floors to cleaning the printer to uh, making the sales calls and uh, trying to get things going developing the the marketing and, and everything else so uh, my days my days are pretty diverse as far as uh, my different responsibilities and that go but uh um, yeah, every day is different. Every day is interesting. Um, I get, uh, the opportunity to speak with people from all over the world, uh, in regards to 3d printing and, um, stuff that they've seen online and, and it sparked their interest about, uh, I guess how maybe the difference in, in what we're doing, you know? And so it's, it's, it's cool to see some of those progressive, uh, thinkers um, pop up and and see what they're how they want to implement it and, and uh, yeah it's 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 been a lot of fun
1: yeah i i'm interested in, once you got this machine um, did that kind of help the whole company to to kind of get more interest in not only your three d line but was it kind of a marketing tool to help you guys maybe get some more work? Did you see it as a beneficial tool?
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when yeah. people hear that you have that type of technology and ta- that type of capacity, they're they're definitely interested.
1: Mm-hmm. So it
0: definitely has helped out our cast in place operations. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I obviously we're we're still working with um, owners and developers and um, the design community to to really implement some of these ideas.
1: Right. And are you in some of those discussions with architects and engineers on how they can better kind of equip them for what your capabilities are? So that way, you know, maybe they can look at options for design or right. is that kind of in the future? That's you guys just started out. So I know it's <laughs> it's kind of early, but
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Covid has kind of made things a little, <laughs> a little interesting as far as um, getting some of those meetings together. But uh, yeah, I, we've uh, we've had quite a few meetings um, where I've watched owners uh, really kind of uh, see the potential here and see the opportunity to do something different and mm-hmm. become really excited about it, and then. The designers are in the same meeting and they're kind of, uh, <laughs> shrinking in their <laughs> chairs a little, a little bit, bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. a little uncomfortable. So yeah, yeah it's, uh, yeah, I, those, uh, those are, those meetings are going on and, um, we're, we're hoping to, to be able to, uh, as, as the circumstances will allow, you know, uh, start working on some more, some more projects in depth.
1: Awesome. Well, Scott, sounds like you're a very busy man, so I want to let you get back to it, but I really enjoyed this conversation. I, this is something that I found pretty interesting myself because uh, there's, like you said, articles all over the place. Pretty sure Kanye was going to use one to create his city, <laughs> 3D printed city, uh, so I'm sure you'll get a phone call from him pretty soon. Uh, let's hope so. <laughs> but, I really appreciate your time, Scott, and uh, we'll let you get off.
0: Thanks, Matt. Great talking to you.
1: Thanks.